my name is Ron Cool, and I'm one of the pastors here as well, and I'd like to just welcome all of you here and, and join the others in wishing you a deeply blessed Easter, that you'll experience the joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. For the last few weeks here, we've been looking at some, I, I think, some pretty amazing stories, okay? We've been looking at some just fantastic stories. Uh, three weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus healed a man who was born blind, and then two weeks ago, we looked at Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And then last week we talked about that fascinating story of Jesus taking a young donkey and, and riding on that baby donkey into Jerusalem and what he was trying to say to, the, to his followers with those words. These are great stories. I love preaching on those stories. But my friends, this is the day. This is the day of great joy. This is the day of the most amazing stories. And we get to celebrate the most important story I know. My life is built on this story. I tell you that my hope is built on this story. Everything I am is built on this story It's the most important story I know. It is the story that changes everything. It is the story of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. And I want to look at that story. I want to try to help us understand and grasp that story once again. Many of us have heard it again and again and again. I want to try to grasp it once again by looking at it through the eyes of a woman by the name of Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, John tells us about her in in his gospel. She's Mary from Magda. That's why she's called Magdalene. She's from a a little seaport town called Magda, and I'll tell you a little bit more about that. But this story begins in darkness. It may end in joy, but this story begins in darkness. The literal darkness of uh, of a morning, a Sunday morning, uh, almost 2,000 years ago when the the sun had not yet come up. But it also, more importantly, begins in the darkness of a a shattered life, the darkness of of a broken life. Because that's where Mary was. She's on her way to the tomb that morning. If you use your mind's eye, you can maybe picture her. She's on her way to the tomb that morning, walking around the road, along the road, really just a a dirt path. Sad, confused, broken. She thought she had cried all the tears she could cry. You know how that is when somebody you love dies. She thought that every tear in her body would die. She had cried cried every one, and and, and she didn't think there were any more, but she just kept crying. The tears just kept coming. And as she walks in the darkness on that day, I, I think she probably remembered what it was like before she met him. Okay, she remembered what it was like before Jesus came along. She was from, like I say, Magda. You and I don't recognize that name, but, but the people of Mary's day would have. Magna was a, a little resort town on the western side of the Sea of Galilee in the northern part of Israel. Think of, uh, think of Saugatuck, South Haven, right? Smaller than that, but those little seaside towns that are just so beautiful to, to go to and, and people would go to on vacation, right? It was a resort place. But Magna was a little different because nobody took their family to Magda. You see, Magna was where the boys went when the boys needed a weekend away. Magna was a place that, uh, well, you know, boys will be boys, and that's what guys went there for. You never took your family. Now, they haven't found the inscription yet, but I I believe someday they're going to find a rock right near Magna, and it's going to say, what happens in Magna stays in Magna. That's what Magna was, okay? And and good-looking 18-year-old girls, which is what Mary had been maybe 10 years earlier, good-looking 18-year-old girls from Magna all had a reputation, and most of the time it was earned. Because the fact is, most of the young ladies in Magda became prostitutes. That's why early on in the church, even though the Bible doesn't say Mary Magdalene was a prostitute, it just the church fathers assumed she was, because everybody from Magda was that way. That's how Mary made her living, sleeping with guys. And it killed her. It killed her. It wasn't like she enjoyed it. I mean, she, she hated what it did to her, but she had no other options. She had no other choices to make matters worse. To make matters worse, uh, John tells us in another place that Mary was, 
demon-possessed. She couldn't think straight. She couldn't feel straight. In fact, she had seven demons. Her, her life was so messed up. Seven is a number of completeness. She was completely messed up. She was whacked out. She was alone. She was unwanted. And in some ways, you know what? I think Mary probably hated and loved those weekends. She hated what she had to do when the guys came to town. But there was a part of her that at least for a little while could pretend that this guy actually loved her, that this guy actually cared for her. You see, Mary was one of those cast-offs, one of those castaways, demon-possessed, a party girl at least, if not a prostitute in full. And, and when the guys held her, at least you could imagine that maybe one of them would one day take them home to meet mom and dad. But nobody did. Mary was a mess. By the time she was 23, her body looked like it was 47 because it had been so hard. But then along came Jesus. Along came Jesus, and he changed everything. She would never forget the first time he looked at her. It was the first time, the first time a guy had ever looked her in the eyes, and, and it was something other than lust there. It was something other than looking at her like a tool there, like some prop to be used in a game he was going to play this weekend. This guy, Jesus, looked at her with a love that was deep and that was powerful, and, and, and he talked to her. He talked to her about his father in heaven, about God. And, and he told her that she was loved, that she was precious. And, and he called her the apple of God's eye. Nobody had ever said she was the apple of anything. She was a pit, but now Jesus says, no, you are the apple of God's eye, and he loves you so much. And, and she could not imagine what it was like. He spoke, and he cast out those demons, and, and she began to, to feel straight inside. She began to feel clean inside. And she knew she had one choice. She just joined the family. And, and she started walking with Jesus with all the other men and women who were followers. And she was there every day because he changed everything. I, she remembered those amazing times. Imagine what it's like. She's on the streets. She's a prostitute. She's, she's, she's mentally ill. Nobody talks to her. People abuse her. And now she's got a family. And, and she loved those conversations. Jesus would talk and they'd laugh and they'd dream. He talked about a father's love. He talked about a kingdom, a magical kingdom, where everything was exactly the way it was supposed to be. And Mary's heart would just soar. And for the first time in her life when Jesus was around, for the very first time in her life, she felt something others had talked about. She felt hope. She felt hope that maybe she was loved, maybe she was valued, and there was a new day coming. And she dared to believe. And she knew that as long as Jesus was around, as long as Jesus was around, everything would be okay. now he was gone they killed him crucified him she'd watched every step she she wanted to turn away but she couldn't she owed him that much and she watched every step as they nailed him to the tree as they beat him and then as they put him in the tomb she went there as well and now he was gone he died and when he died she died when he died she died because the hope was over. And she was coming, I think, more than anything else to say goodbye. She was coming to say goodbye. I, I suppose she wanted to, to maybe touch the body, maybe give him one more hug, maybe give him one more time of, of trying to feel some of that love and remember what it was like to laugh and to believe and to hope. She probably wanted to say thanks for the memories, but more than anything else, I think she just needed to say goodbye. She came looking for the corpse. She just needed to say goodbye, goodbye to him and goodbye to her dreams. 
She cried again as she thought of what her mother had said growing up. Her mother had told her from when she was very young, Mary, don't ever dream. Don't ever dream. Good things don't happen to girls like you. Good things don't happen to people like us. Don't dream, because in the end, life is a cruel joke. And as she walked down that road, she thought mom was right. I was a fool. I was a fool to think that love could matter. I was a fool to think that somehow good could win. I was a fool. It's so dark. It's a story that begins in darkness, but as Mary approaches the tomb, it gets actually worse. It gets actually worse. John says this, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. The stone would have been pushed back. Probably looked something like this. We don't know exactly what the tomb of Jesus looked like. This is the common tombs of his day, and it was probably like that very large stone. Question of how she was even going to move it to, to see the body again. Other women might have been with her. We're not sure. But they, 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 the stone was already moved back. And, and what's interesting to me, and we're going to talk about this more in a second, but what's interesting for me is that Mary sees that, and she comes to one conclusion. She comes to only one conclusion. Look what she does. So she came running. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's John, the one Jesus loved. And she said, he did it. No, she didn't. She said, they've taken the body of our Lord. They've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Interesting, isn't it? I mean, a stone rolled away. A light shining into the darkness. And what does Mary say? They did it. You see, she is so broken. She is so shattered. She is so protecting herself. You've done that. You've protected yourself from hope. You know what that's like. Mary's not the only one who's been at this place. You know what it's like to come to that time where you say, you know what? Nothing ever changes. Nothing ever gets better. Nothing ever gets right. I was a mess yesterday, I'm a mess today, and I'm going to be a mess tomorrow. Who am I to think that something can change? Who am I to think that something can get better? Who am I to think that somebody could actually love me if they know who I really am? And so Mary sees the stone rolled away, and she just says, they took his body too. And now she can't even say goodbye. She can't even say goodbye. And, and, and so added to her sadness and her brokenness or confusion, it's just a touch of anger. Just a little bit of anger saying, this is too far. Everybody knew he had nothing. Why rob his grave? Why desecrate his body? You already killed him. Why do something else? And so things get worse. As it says, Mary turns and tells John and Peter, and they, they run back to the tomb. John tells us about that. We'll look at that another time. And then John and Peter leave. Mary goes back to the tomb, but I don't know if she runs. I don't know if she does. I think she doesn't. And she stands outside the tomb crying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, John says. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. If, if she'd been able to see more clearly, she might have thought about the mercy seat in the, at the Ark of the Covenant with an angel on each end, and, and maybe this was a picture of that, but she couldn't see it. Her grief was too great, her brokenness too strong. She was just so overwhelmed with the darkness of this world that she was convinced nothing could change. She doesn't say anything, but they ask her, woman, why are you crying? Angels. And Mary says, they've taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they put him. There's a sound behind her. She turns around, and it's Jesus. 
At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize that it was Jesus. Interesting, huh? And a stone, two angels, and now Jesus. And she doesn't get it. She doesn't get it. You've been there. I've been there. The fact is, we've all had times where we were convinced we were in the midst of disaster, but God was still there. We just couldn't see him. God was still sending his messengers, and we just couldn't hear him. Mary's not that different from you. She's not that different from me. Jesus speaks. She hears his voice. He asked, woman, notice that, woman, not cruel. The fact is that I love the fact that Jesus, I don't think there's any cruelty in this word at all. I think he's so gentle with her. He could have said, excuse me. He could have slapped her and said, Mary, hello. And he says, woman, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're, who is it you're looking for? Thinking was, he was a gardener, she, uh, she said to him, sir, sir, if, you, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I'll get him. I'll pull his body back here. This would not have been easy. Think about, I mean, Jesus was a full-grown man. Mary is a, a woman. For her to, with a body, with the weight, with the cloths, with all the stuff, I mean, for, but she says, you know what, I don't care. I mean, I think she was mad enough. She was upset enough. She said, you just tell me where it is. I'll carry his body back here. But this is where he's going to be. This is where his body needs to be. Jesus is speaking to her, and she still doesn't see it. And I want to think about that for just a couple of moments here, okay? She doesn't see what's going on. Look at that. Think about the information that's right in front of her. Think about what has happened to her this morning, all right? The stone is rolled away. The stone is rolled away. She has seen angels. Jesus himself is there. Jesus has spoken to her. And in addition, kind of the fourth nail in the coffin, so to speak, of Mary's faith, the fourth difficulty, Tim Keller says these are all stop signs that Mary blows right through. But Jesus had said again and again and again that he was going to rise again. You go back and you read the other stories and Jesus kept saying, by the way, you need to know something. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. By the way, understand something. I'm going to die. But on the third day, I'm going to rise again. And he said it. You know how often he said it? He said it so often that his opponents knew it. Look at this from Matthew 27. Sir, they said, these are the Pharisees talking to the Roman leaders. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, Jesus, that deceiver said, after three days I will rise again. If they knew it, Mary knew it. If they heard it, Mary heard it. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he had been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. Unbelievable, huh? Come on, Jesus had said it over and over and over again. I'm going to rise again. And so it's the third day. And you'd think something would have clicked in Mary's mind. She loved him with all of her heart. She loved him with everything she had. She had seen him raise Lazarus from the dead. She had seen him do miracles. And yet she can't see him at her moment of greatest need. What is John telling us? Why does this matter? Mary misses what's right in front of her. I think this is important for two reasons. The first thing this, this really means a lot to me for is that believing isn't easy for Mary. I think John wants us to see that believing isn't so easy for Mary. And for me, that speaks two things. One is, it is so good news for me when I struggle with believing. I mean, Mary has this stuff right in front of her. 
Mary has Jesus right in front of her, and she just can't get there. And if you've ever struggled with saying, God, I know that you're there, but I'm just struggling. I just don't see you. I don't feel it. I don't get it. I just don't have any hope right now. I feel like it's never going to work. God, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder about you. Then join the club and, and recognize that God does not yell at people who struggle with faith. Jesus does not yell at Mary. Jesus does not chew her out. Jesus does not sit in a corner and say, when you figure it out, then you come and find me. No, Jesus keeps coming to her. Jesus keeps coming to her. And I love that. Because sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I look at it and I say, I just, I I say you're alive in me, Jesus, but I don't see the evidence in my life. Mary missed it for a while. And if it's okay, and it's okay, if you do too, and I do too, it doesn't mean we're evil, it means we're human. So it's good news that Mary struggled with believing, but I also think it's evidence that this really did happen. A little more kind of philosophical here, but, uh, but, but, but in talking with people in our culture, I, I've heard several people say, uh, you know, uh, uh, that they dismiss this story. It, Jesus really didn't rise from the dead. And the reason they dismiss that is, is this is talk about something 2,000 years ago. And the people 2,000 years ago, they were superstitious. And, and, and they believed all these crazy things could happen. But we are scientific. We are sophisticated. We know what's going on. And so we can kind of dismiss what Mary said because she just wasn't very smart. And it was just something that in that world they believed all these crazy things could happen. And we know how the world works. Baloney, okay? That's crazy talk. You may say you don't believe it, but don't tell me that it was because that, 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 that they just kind of said these crazy things. No, Mary, if she was superstitious and unsophisticated and easy, she would have believed at the open tomb. She would have believed at the angels. She would have believed at the first sight of Jesus. But she doesn't because it's no easier for her to believe than for you to believe. It's not the case that this story is, you can just dismiss it because ah, those people back then, they didn't get it. We have science. We're smarter than they are baloney. We are not. They knew what death was, just like we do. And she couldn't wrap her mind around it. Even though Jesus had said it was going to happen, she couldn't wrap her mind around it any more than you can easily, okay? And and so don't dismiss this story, okay? Don't dismiss this story and just kind of say, ah, you know, back then they believed those things. No, they didn't. People didn't rise from the dead. It didn't just grab on it. She struggled. She fought it. And so do all the other disciples, okay? The reason it's told this way is because it's true. It happened. So believing isn't easy for Mary. I think the other thing John wants us to see is that, is that Mary still sticks around, okay? Mary still sticks around. And I love that picture. You know, Peter and John, they see and they leave. And I wonder... I wonder if Mary gets the first vision of Jesus because she just stayed there. I wonder if Mary gets the first vision of Jesus because she was one who just said, I don't get it, but I'm going to just stay right here. I'm going to stick with this thing. I don't see it, but I'm going to stick with this thing. Mary sticks with it. And friends, that's a word for us as well. When we are confused, stick with God. So she doesn't see what's happening, all right? And then comes the word that changes everything. She, said, she says to Jesus, thinking he's the gardener, I'll go get his body. And, and, and I love this. Again, Jesus could have just so easily said, oh, come on. But look at what John says. Jesus said to her, Mary. Miriam. 
and she sees. She, she, she sees. And, and I cannot imagine them. I mean, oh, it's you. You're him. You're, it, well, well, and, 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 and all of a sudden, she realized, he's alive. He is alive. He is not dead. He has come back. He's, you are him. And, and I kind of believe she couldn't even talk. Because you don't, like, see a dead person come back to life and just say, oh, this is interesting. And she was just like, oh, the, oh uh, yeah, this is just amazing. And in that moment, something fundamental shifted inside of Mary. I want to suggest that, that what Easter is all about is what shifted inside of Mary. Because it's not that everything in her circumstances changed. And it's not that she suddenly understand everything. But what Mary understood at that moment was that the bottom line is this. And this is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what gives my life meaning. Is that the bottom line is that life wins. And love wins. And God wins. My life is based on the fact, and I pray yours is too, that at the end of the day, life is not a cruel joke. That at the end of the day, death doesn't win. At the end of the day, hate doesn't win. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ rose again, and love is going to win. At the end of the day, friends, that's what shifted. What shifted was the bottom line. Like I say, in some ways, there are a lot of things that didn't change. But the bottom line is, and Mary said, now I know. Now I know. No, she didn't understand everything. I'm sure she couldn't have given us an essay on the eschatological significance of the already and not yet dichotomy at this point. All she knew is that Jesus was alive. And that changed everything. It meant the Father didn't abandon the Son. It meant there was hope. It meant that someday all things would be made new. It meant that someday she would be made new. It meant that somehow love was going to win. Life was going to win. God was going to win. Because he said Mary. Because he said Mary. And I want to suggest to you this morning that if you stick around, you will hear your voice. You will hear, excuse me, your name. If you stick when you are stuck, at some point Jesus will come to you. It's interesting because one of the things we learn from this story, faith is not a gift that Mary gives to Jesus. Faith is a gift that Jesus gives to Mary, right? It's not until he speaks her name that her heart is opened. You say, well, then, is that not fair? Because if uh, Jesus doesn't speak my name, let me tell you, friends, the promise of the Bible is this. If you seek his face, if you stick around, he will call your name. And you can believe that all things can be new and that love wins. Mary doesn't know what to do. I mean, she is beside herself. And, and, And so she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni which means teacher, and I'd suggest actually it means my dear teacher, my, my dearest friend, my dearest, closest teacher friend who's, who's love. I, and, and, and then she does what she's just wants. She, she hugs him. And I think she says, I'm never going to let you go. I'm going to pet you and hold you, and I'm never going to let you go. I'm never going to let you go. The word changes everything. Mary grabs him, and then Jesus responds. Fascinating fascinating what Jesus does. You know what he says? Let go. Do not hold on to me. You want to talk about getting your world turned upside down again real quick. What do you mean? What do you mean? I am not letting go. (laughs) Well, I am not letting go. In fact, I'm never letting go of you again. I am not letting you out of my sight. I did that once and I lost you. And I am never going to let you go. And Jesus says, no, Mary, you don't understand. I've got, you got to let me go. You've got to let me go. Why? Why? Jesus is going to give two reasons why Mary can't hold on to him. Two reasons why Mary has to let him go. The first is because he's got to go someplace. 
He's got to go someplace. He says, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I have not yet ascended to the Father. What's that about? Mary is still confused. What, what, what does that have to do with anything? Well, the answer to that comes in something Jesus had said to his disciples in John 16. Jesus said this to his disciples, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. He says, it's better for you. It's better for you that I am going away. Because unless I go away, the advocate, the helper, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. So Mary has to let go of Jesus because Jesus needs to ascend to the Father so the Holy Spirit can come. Jesus needs to go to the Father and he's saying to Mary, Mary, my relationship with you is going to change now. And you're going to have the Spirit, my Spirit, living inside of you. And, and, and that's really interesting for me. And, and I have to confess, this is one of those things I struggle with wrapping my mind around. Because wouldn't you today love to be able to just hug Jesus? Right? I mean, don't you feel like if he would come and I could look him in the eye, wouldn't that? But Jesus said, that's not better. He says, that's not best. He says, the fact of the matter is, through my spirit, I am with you now wherever you go. If I'm here in my body, I can only be in one place at one time. But by my spirit, I can be inside of you, and I can be alive. And, 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 and so we need to remember that this morning, because Easter is not just a celebration of something Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Easter is a celebration that Jesus Christ is alive in me right now. That Jesus Christ is alive in me right now. And my challenge and my goal and my joy in life is to let the resurrected power of Jesus Christ empower me to become who he calls me to be. Jesus Christ is not just alive then. Jesus Christ, by the power of his spirit, he says, I got to go to my father. Because I want everybody to be able to have my spirit. I want to be with everybody. I want to be inside everybody who follows me. So I have to go to my father so that the spirit can come. So in his spirit, Jesus is with us wherever we go. So that's the first thing. Jesus says, don't hold on to me, Mary, because I've got to go. I've got to go so that the spirit can come. And then comes the second reason. Mary, you've got to go. You've got to go and tell. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am sending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Three things to notice here real quick. Go and tell. That is, that is, Easter always comes with a commission. Easter always comes with a calling. When we see the, Jesus, the risen Christ, he comes and says, go and tell. Go and tell. There are those who need to hear the good news. There are those who need a word of hope. There are those who need to know that death doesn't win. Go and tell my brothers. <laughs> That's amazing. You see, this is why I'm not Jesus. This is why the Father never chose me, because what I would have said is, go and tell those cowards. Go and tell those scumbags who left me in the lurch, who just fell apart. Tell them they got some splaining to do, Lucy, right? I mean, go tell them. Go tell them. No. Go tell my brothers that I am going to my father and your father. Jesus had said about his father. Now he says it's my father and yours. It's my God and yours. We're brothers and sisters. Go and tell that's the call for all of us. Easter comes with a commission. I was thinking about this, and, and, and I thought about 26 years ago, um, I was between Fuller Seminary and Calvin Seminary, and I worked at Pine Rest just down the road here. And at that time, we had, I was in the adolescent unit, and at that time, we had uh, kids who would stay with us for a year or more. Uh, you can't stay for two weeks now because of insurance, right? But we'd stay kids. So you got to know them really, really well. And, and after I'd been there for about nine months, right about this time of the year, after I'd been there for about nine months, one of the young girls who was on the floor, she said to me, 
Ron, I don't get it. And I said, what? She said, you seem actually like a kind of normal, okay guy. Why do you want to be a minister? I mean, in her view, what I was saying is I'm going to spend the rest of my life telling people what to do. And I said, you got to know. You got to know. There's nothing better I could do with my life because you know what I get to tell people? that there's hope. I mean, this was a young woman who had been abused. This was a young woman who had so much darkness in her life. And I said, you know what? The most important thing I want you to know is that God loves you and that there's hope and and that there's a new day coming, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead and and that death has been swallowed up in victory and and that things are not always going to stay the same way. And I said, I can't imagine anything better that I could do with the rest of my life than to have the opportunity to tell people, and I please tell you this morning, it's going to be okay. Jesus Christ is alive. Whatever struggle you're going through, Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. And someday all things are going to be made new. And he will change you and he will change me. So go and tell your brothers. Go tell your sisters. Go tell your friends. Not that they're dead and dumb and dangerous. But that Jesus is alive. And then there is hope. So Mary grabs him. And Jesus responds. And then Mary believes and goes and tells. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. What about us? Three questions I want you to kind of walk away from here with. The first one is this, will we stick around even when we are stuck and confused? For some of you, that's where you are right now. Sometimes I'm there myself, stuck and confused. But will we stick around and still trust that even though we can't see him, God is with us in the darkest places? And God is still speaking to us. Will we stick around and will we dare to believe? I struggle with this because I look at my life and so often I don't see the changes that ought to be happening. And I say, is this true? And I got to remind myself, absolutely. Mary tells me I have seen the Lord and all things will be made new. And then will we dare to go and tell, to go and tell the world that in Christ alone our hope is found. Let's pray together. Father, it is so hard sometimes to hold on to hope. Mary shows us that. Sometimes even though you're right in front of us, it's really struggling time for us to believe. So this morning, give us, give us what Mary had, that, that sense of the deep sense of your spirit inside of us to know that Jesus Christ is alive, that we too have seen the Lord, that we can trust Mary, that we can trust your spirit inside of us, and we can indeed celebrate and tell and believe. So Father, thank you. Thank you for new life in Christ alone. Amen.